Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Genesis. Tonight is study number 11 of Genesis chapter 1. We're going to be reading verses 9 through 13. And God said, Let the waters under the heavens be gathered together unto one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. And God called the dry land earth, and the gathering together of the waters called he seas. And God saw that it was good. And God said, Let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed, and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth. And it was so. And the earth brought forth grass, and herb yielding seed after his kind, and the tree yielding fruit, whose seed was in itself after his kind. And God saw that it was good. And the evening and the morning were the third day. I'll stop reading there. Now, uh, we're presently looking at verse 9 of Genesis chapter 1, and I'll read it again. And God said, Let the waters under the heaven be gathered together unto one place, and let the dry land appear, and it was so. Now, um, the word God is Elohim, which is a plural word for God, but the King James translators correctly translated it singular, and this would be the exception to the rule that wherever there's a a plural word, it should be translated as a plural word, as we, we know with the word heaven, that it's heavens again and again, and the translators should have translated as heavens, but they correctly translated God, Elohim, singular. And and the reason for that is that God emphasizes throughout the Bible he is one God, just one God, but three persons. And, and so this is one case where the translators were uh, restrained, really, by God, as God, of course, is in control of all things, and and often he works through the translators as they um, would not uh, properly translate, such as heaven or heavens, and and in this case he worked through the translators that they would properly translate this word in the singular rather than the plural, because it would lead to too much confusion if if uh, again and again we were reading from uh, say in Genesis 1 1 in the beginning gods created the heaven and the earth and so forth it it was uh, a wise decision of the translators of the King James Bible to translate Elohim singular and God said in verse 9, let the waters under the heaven be gathered together unto 
one place. Now, we're, we're going to look at the words in this verse, the Hebrew words, and, and I think we'll find some interesting things as we do. And just a, a question sometimes, which word uh, do we look at first? Well, we could take it in the order that it appears, and, and I suppose we'll do it that way. Let's look up the word waters. And this word, uh, waters, of course, in the Bible can be a picture of the gospel. Waters can be a picture of hell. Um, for instance, when Pharaoh and the Egyptians drown in the Red Sea, it's a picture of being under the wrath of God when God brought the flood of waters on the world of Noah's day, a picture of his wrath. So the waters could typify the word of God itself, the gospel, the judgment of God, but also waters can represent people. For instance, in Isaiah 57, it says in verse 20, But the wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. There God connects the wicked to waters of a troubled sea. In Isaiah 60, in the language where God is speaking of the flocks of Keter and the rams of Nebioth, uh, that is, the sons of Ishmael being gathered unto him, it's a picture of the salvation of the sons of Ishmael, and it's one of the reasons, this passage, why we expect that God saved a great many of the descendants of Ishmael, of the Arab nations. Well, here in um, Isaiah 60, it says in verse 5, Then thou shalt see, and flow together, and thine heart shall fear, and be enlarged, because the abundance of the sea shall be converted unto thee. The forces of the Gentiles shall come unto thee. See how God first says the abundance of the sea will be converted. Then he rephrases it, restates it. The forces of the Gentiles shall come. And the Gentiles are the nations. It's speaking of the great multitude, the abundance of the sea, the sea typifying people that will come to God. And, and then it goes into a discussion of the flocks of Keter and rams of Nebioth. And we can, we can see God directly define waters as people in the New Testament in Revelation 17. I'll read it two verses. The first verse is verse 1 of Revelation 17. And there came one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials, and talked with me, saying unto me, Come hither, I will show unto thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters. So the, the great whore sitteth or ruleth upon many waters. The sea, the, the wicked are like the troubled sea. And the great whore is Babylon, the kingdom of Satan that rules over the unsaved of the world. 
Well, so we, we see we're correct in that understanding. Look at verse 15 of Revelation chapter 17. And he saith unto me, The waters which thou sawest, where the whore sitteth, are peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. That's that's four references. People, nations, multitudes, tongues. Four pointing to the universal aspect or, or the worldwide um, nature of what's in view. And it's the people of the earth. Of all the earth are the waters that the whore sitteth upon or Satan and his kingdom rules over as uh, he won the right of conquest back in the Garden of Eden over mankind. And then, especially at the time of the end, God gave him even greater rule over the peoples of the world. The waters. And and here in Genesis 1 verse 9, yes, of course, there's a historical aspect to this where where God has separated the waters from the waters with the firmament, which is the heavens. And he placed waters above the firmament, and that left the waters below the firmament on the earth that were all over the earth. And it would have been a similar picture to the flood of Noah's day at this point. Because God is not separated or he has not gathered together the waters or caused the waters to go to one place as yet. And, and that's what he's about to do. Let the waters under the heaven, and that would be plural heavens, be gathered together unto one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. Well, now we continue. Okay, waters we know historically were waters. They they were waters that God made. And water is a necessity for life. God started with water. The face of the deep was on the earth right from the first day of creation. And now here we are in the third day, and God is uh, still... Uh, dealing with the waters. Well, now he says, let the waters under the heavens, this is the waters on the earth, he's not um, addressing the waters above the heavens, but let the waters under the heavens be gathered together unto one place. Now, when we look at the word, and anyone who has a concordance can look up any word in the Bible. You know, I, I really would suggest that we all do that as we study the Bible because it, it really causes you to be much more careful rather than just reading the Bible like you would any other book. When you read and you, you take the time to look up the words the primary words in a verse and you search it out to see where those words are used elsewhere in the Bible, first of all, it's going to help you in your understanding of the verse you're looking at, 
but it also causes you to slow down. It causes you to take your time and to consider the verse in front of you, the chapter in front of you, rather than rushing through, well, you know, I want to, I want to read five chapters a day, or I want to read two chapters a day, and, and that's what some people do. They, they just have it in their mind, well, I know I gotta read the Bible, and, and so they open it up and they read a couple of Psalms and a couple of Proverbs, and, and they read for five minutes or ten minutes, and they, they pray for five or ten minutes, and then they go about their business of their day. And it, it's really not that much time they're putting into Bible reading or praying, and they're putting no time into Bible study. Bible study is not that fast. It's a slower process. It's a much more careful process. And if you don't have a concordance, please look into getting one. You can get one in a uh, maybe online or at a Christian uh, bookstore somewhere. And Strong's Concordance will have every word, every word that's in the Bible, and you can look it up. Like this word, gathered together, is the Hebrew word that is Strong's number 6960. And, uh, you know, often... Times when you look up a word God is using, there'll be surprises. But, uh, um, you know, I'll tell you, in looking up this word, I, I was very surprised, very surprised that how God uses this particular Hebrew word. And I, I kept thinking, why did God use this word here in Genesis 1? Um, it's a very unusual choice of a word to use in this context by God historically. Um, when when he's speaking of gathering together of the waters under the heaven into one place, there's other words, several other words that are translated as gather that uh, historically you would think would be a better choice. But uh, we're not... Uh, the writers of the Bible, we don't, I, I definitely don't, no man has the wisdom to be the writer of the Bible, and God chooses every word super carefully, super purposefully. Every word has meaning. God is not like us. We say words to, to speak, and, and, Sometimes we're speaking, we don't even know what we're saying. We weren't thinking about what we were saying. God is very precise, very calculated, and he uses every word in uh, in a very uh, purposeful manner. And every word, can you imagine writing a book that's as big as the Bible and having every word fit? with every other word in the whole book, so that there's not a statement, not uh, um, a chapter or a single verse or a single word out of place that uh, that doesn't fit with everything else. 
if we were writing a book, we'd have all kinds of mistakes, all types of errors, things that would not fit. And that's one way we can um, tell that other religious writings are not from God because they, like the apocryphal writings, they make statements that do not fit with the whole Bible. There's no harmony in the things that they say, but there's always harmony with God's Word, even though sometimes we may struggle to find it, to see how it fits, yet it does. And and that's our challenge, and that's our glory or honor, to search out a matter. That's what God intends for his people to do. All right, let, let's start taking a look at this word translated gather together. Strong's number 6960. It's only translated one other time as gathered, and that's in Jeremiah chapter 3. Jeremiah 3, and I'll read verses 16 and 17. And it shall come to pass, when ye be multiplied and increased in the land, in those days, saith Jehovah, they shall say no more, the ark of the covenant of Jehovah, neither shall it come to mind, neither shall they remember it, neither shall they visit it, neither shall they, uh, shall that be done any more. At that time they shall call Jerusalem the throne of Jehovah, and all the nations shall be gathered unto it, to the name of Jehovah, to Jerusalem, neither shall they walk any more after the imagination of their evil heart. So there, in Jeremiah 3.17, all the nations or Gentiles shall be gathered unto it, to the name of Jehovah, to Jerusalem. And that's the only other place that this word is translated as gathered. But this word is used and translated uh, as other English words. Uh, for instance, it's translated one time as patiently, it's translated one time as tarrieth, it's translated fourteen times as look or looketh, and thirty times as wait or waiteth. And when when you look at these other words, patiently, tarrieth, look, looketh, and wait, waiteth, they're all of a similar nature. It, it, if you would look up the word um, where it's translated as look, you could substitute wait in those places. When someone looks for the Lord, they're waiting for the Lord. And it's it's the word that I'm sure you're very familiar with uh, in the in the English King James. It in the Psalms it's found. Several times, for instance, in Psalm 130, verse 5, I wait for Jehovah, my soul doth wait, and in his word do I hope. The word wait is the word translated gather together in our verse in Genesis. Also in the Psalms, in Psalm 27, Psalm 27, verse 14. Wait on Jehovah, be of good courage, 
and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on Jehovah. Now, that's why I was so surprised at this word, because as I was looking at all these places in the Psalms, and it, it was the the word patiently, for instance, which is the same um, Hebrew word, is in Psalm 40, verse 1. I waited patiently for Jehovah, and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. And I was looking at verse after verse after verse, and, and I was just... Um, sort of scratching my head each time and saying, now, why did God use this word in the context that he did in Genesis chapter 1? Let's go back there. And God said, let the waters, and we saw that waters can refer to people. Waters can refer to people. People, nations, multitudes, and tongues, according to Revelation 17. Let the waters under the heaven be gathered together unto one place. Now, what if we didn't translate that as gathered together? Since that same Hebrew word is overwhelmingly translated as wait or waiteth or, or, or patient, um, or something like that. Um, what if we translated it this way? Let the waters under the heaven wait unto one place, or tarry unto one place. Well, it's still sort of the idea of gathering together. There, but it, it, when we think of gathering together, we think of uh, you know when you have your arms stretched out and you're you're bringing something towards you. You're you're gathering it into one place, and the idea of waiting, though, doesn't really convey that that kind of thought. But but let's just go with that for now. The water, let the waters under the heaven wait unto one place. Now, what is this one place? that the waters are to wait. Well, uh, obviously you're thinking, well, God just means he created the ocean or, or oceans. He he had the waters come together, and then we know the next part of the verse says, and let the dry land appear, and it was so. So the waters were spread out over the 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 entire area of the earth. God gathers them, and as he gathers them in one place, dry land appears where the waters used to be. And yes, historically, that's what happened. God is sort of, um, uh, <laughs> he, he's bringing together the waters collectively in a certain area. And it is exposing the earth, the dry land, where the waters had been previously and covering it over. And, and okay, but what does one place mean spiritually if it has a spiritual meaning? Well, uh, how do we find that out? We search the Bible and we see, does God use that phrase or, or those words, one place, anywhere else? 
And we find that, yes, he does. In Ecclesiastes, in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, it says in verse 19, For that which befalleth the sons of men befalleth beasts. Even one thing befalleth them. As the one dieth, so dieth the other. Yea, they have all one breath, so that a man hath no preeminence above a beast, for all is vanity. All go unto one place, all are of the dust, and all turn to dust again. Now in in these verses, God is speaking of death, that man dies like the beast, and all go to one place, which is the grave, or death. And, and that's why he says they're of the dust and go to dust again. There, there's no mistaking that one place is referring to death. And in Ecclesiastes 6, verse 6, we find those two words, one place, uh, used together again. Yea, though he live a thousand years twice told, God is speaking of a man of the earth. Yet hath he seen no good, do not all go to one place. That is, eventually, no matter how long you live, and and however long you live, uh, even if it were possible to live to be 2,000, which, of course, no one's even lived to be 1,000, but even if you lived that extended period of time, Eventually, you go to one place, you go to the grave, you return to dust. And it's just um, not very long at all. If your lifespan is temporal, if it has an end, no matter how long it may uh, be in comparison to others, it is nothing uh, as far as God's concerned, because what is that compared to eternity? But... Again, one place in Ecclesiastes 6, verse 6, is referring to death. Well, now, um, how are we to understand this verse? Back in Genesis 1, verse 9, And God said, Let the waters under the heaven be gathered together, or wait unto one place. And, And... Okay, we can see how waters, according to the Bible, could be people. People waiting, as gathered together, as translated, wait. And and oftentimes waiting for God, looking for God, and waiting unto one place. And that phrase, that those two words, identify with death. And what are they waiting for? Well... The next part of the verse says, And let the dry land appear, and it was so. And the word dry is Strong's number 3004. And this word is used 14 times in the Old Testament, twice here in chapter 1, in verses 9 and 10. As God is creating the earth, the dry land is appearing. But this is also a word 
that is used several times with the uh, parting of the Red Sea when Israel crossed over on dry land. God made a pathway. They crossed over on dry land to safety and they were delivered from the Egyptians, from Pharaoh and his army. They were pursuing to kill them. God delivered them by the dry land. This word is also used regarding the crossing of Jordan on dry land. And and again, the crossing over of Jordan is a picture of salvation, a picture of deliverance. And this word is used concerning Jonah when he was vomited out of the whale's belly onto dry land. And, and that was illustrating a historical parable, illustrating Christ coming up out of the depths of the grave or death and resurrecting, um, rising from the dead to life. So in all these usages of the word dry land, it points to deliverance, salvation, and life. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.